I'm Jess. I'm Allison. And together we run a marketing agency called Sponge. A few years ago, we ditched the corporate treadmill to build the company we've always wanted to work for, and we've never looked back. So welcome to the Beyond Marketing Podcast. We talk about marketing, growing a business, confronting burnout, and unapologetically enjoying our families. Today we're talking about our continued reality of working with the kids at home, how to get lead scoring right, and how to convince your boss that you really do need a preference center. All right, another episode. How are things going? Things are going. I got to tell you, I had all these expectations that summer was going to be great because we had babysitters and we're going to be outside, but I still feel just gloomy. I think it's because of the pandemic and just the unknown. What about you? Yeah, I know. It's like all of our schedules are are off, but you guys are at Ocean City now, yeah? Yeah, we did move down to OC. We have a condo down here. Um, it's just two bedrooms, so it's definitely a tight squeeze. But at least the kids can be up at the beach and not feel, you know, secluded like they did when we were at home in Woodbine. Yeah. Is it crazy there? Um, it's definitely busy. There's there's a lot of people on Coastal Highway. There's a lot of people on the beach. Um, yeah. They're a lot more relaxed down here about wearing masks, which kind of skeeves me out. <laughs> um, yeah. And people are going inside and eating dinners. We haven't done oh, wow. that yet. We're still in the order and, you know, pickup stage. Yeah, we are too. That sounds like risky to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me like, it sounds scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you're living on the edge there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's different. Uh, I was on a call earlier with a client who had said that they were also in Ocean City and had been out listening to live music. And I was like, well, where's oh, wow. that? Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, it's at the outdoor spots. Um, and okay, yeah, that insane. makes sense. Woof. Yeah. So wait, are your, your kids in camp then? Or what's your schedule these days? So we have a great babysitter. She is just taking the kids during the day. So she'll either do beach. Um, she brings them inside from like one to, to three to get them out of the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have bikes and the nor- North side park is uh, open finally. So you can go over there and the kids can play in the park, but nice. she's going to be watching them mostly through the week. And then Matt um, has taken off all Fridays. <laughs> so he'll be oh, watching them. That's all nice. Yeah, it's great. And then Matt's mother-in-law will also be helping out as well. So we're covered for now. Just waiting to see what's going to happen in the fall has me the most stressed out. Yes, I know. I was just, well, I was, I was just going to say that we were um, trying to apply for, you know, like do the application for kindergarten for Evelyn and they are taking them, but there's like in big red letters, like all bold, like we have no idea what our plans basically are for the fall. And we were talking to our neighbors because we just finally went to go see our house in person for the first time this past weekend. And they were saying that they're thinking about like a phase reopening, but it may not be until like October. I don't know. We'll see. So we're, we're trying to figure it out. And right now, since we're at my mom's house, we kind of have the, the kids like split up amongst the three of us, like me, my husband, or my mom will be watching the kids right. at all times. Um, but once we move down there, I think my, I'm not sure, my mom might, might, come, might come down for a little bit, but she won't be there long term. So we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do with the kids. And so we, they're just going to go back to their preschool that they were at before um, we moved to Puerto Rico. And then 
we'll just kind of figure things out. But we were thinking about like hiring someone to just like come to our house or like even for next year, like Evelyn in particular, like just really did not take to the virtual learning and Leo's freaking too. Like there's no virtual to like what it's so going to be doing. <laughs> frustrating for the littles because, you know, they just want that friend connection and touch with their friends and not having that. Yeah. I, I think that caused a lot of depression with Claire, my, my littlest one, but um, I can totally understand why Leo and Evelyn would have trouble with that for sure. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. So we're feeling good about the preschool. In fact, I just um, found this data from Emily Oster. She's like compiling a bunch of data related to child care centers and COVID. And actually there have been like so, 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 so few cases um, coming from kids or uh, the teachers, like the caregivers. So we're feeling good about that the preschool that they're gonna go to is the same one they were at before so same teachers same friends whatever um and they did say that like I mean she sent us like an email and the precautions are intense like what they are doing is like just the cleaning required and like just the social distancing and how they've oriented their classrooms like they've basically restructured like all of their like they had this one big room where they had like some temporary classroom set up and they've like completely reorganized everything so that people are more separate and the kid the classes are only like 10 kids now Mm -hmm. and like even the playgrounds like only one class at a time and then they like I mean, they disinfect the entire playground before another group can come out. And, and seems like no parents so or anything in, in the school at all. Like you yeah. drop them off and then you pick them up at the door and like you never walk in. Um, so I don't know. It seems insane, but we're going to go for it and see how it goes <laughs> because it's just, I think it'll be the best for them. And, you know, as long as we're, we're not planning to really go out outside of that. So it will be a bigger risk because they'll be with 10 other kids, but so that's kind of what we were doing with Clary Max before at, at their private daycare um and the first time we sent them back they were completely freaked out because everyone was wearing masks and the parents couldn't go in mm. but they had been around no one for like two months yeah. so they were like this is great at the end of the day and then they just got over the hump they didn't even care yeah wear ma- masks but also on my news feed i saw an ad for crayola uh, masks in like all the various colors that they offer. So maybe that is, um, foreshadowing that they might go back to school and that would be added to the back to school list. (laughs) Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. I don't know. It's so intense. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, we're excited to move. We're like, counting down we have like three and a half weeks left your second move in 40 days oh my gosh I know you told me that this (laughs) earlier today and I was like oh yeah it has only been 40 days but also you were moving from like Airbnb throughout the year so you're pro at it now right I yes I am a pro at it I'm so excited to just land and get out of our suitcases like as soon as I was nervous because we had we bought this house sight unseen like even our realtor hadn't seen it before we like 
made the offer and signed the contract. Um, so that felt nuts. And I was concerned because we're, we live in a like historic area. So all the houses are like kind of quirky cause they're super old. Um, and you just never really know. And like my husband is six two, so like it, there can be some issues. And so I was a little <laughs> bit concerned that like the ceilings were going to be too small, like too short in some areas or like this was going to be too narrow. And I was like, Oh God. And so like, we finally got there. It was great. Like, I love it. Like I be just even being in the neighborhood, I was like, I just freaking love it. Um, I love the neighborhood. Like we met our next door neighbors. We met the owners. They like showed us all around. Um, they like gave us all their paint colors and like all the people that come to their house. It was just awesome. Like I just love, love, love it. Some positivity. Yes, exactly. And like the house totally fine. Like I was worried about like this one specific spot where like in between the dining room and the kitchen, there's like this awkward, like vent and like air duct situation like right on the ceiling and I was like I don't know how that's gonna go but it was like totally a non-issue just with the pictures you never know um so yeah now we're very excited to move in um when's the actual date so we're moving July 18th the Saturday and so they're leaving I think over 4th of July so we have a couple of weeks and then we actually close on the 15th so we're trying to get some painters in there before we move in Um, and then we'll get all of our stuff out of storage and some stuff that we have here with us and then you know all of our 10 suitcases and then (laughs) we'll be in (laughs) nice yes but we're excited I'm like can't even wait to just like put my stuff away in a closet um, (laughs) and not be thinking about like oh you know I'll like have this stuff organized so that it'll be easier to like put back in a suitcase like I just can't freaking wait so yeah should be good I feel like it's been a year of transitions and I'm 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 ready for it to be done <laughs> yeah well um, speaking of transitions um, yes. we've been working on a lot of new fun projects though even though it's been crazy out yes I do feel like June is turning around do you think so like it, it's still cautious but May I felt was deathly yeah, like May no one just dead. wanted to do anything June seems to be turning around cautiously agreed but I still think people clients in general businesses are scared to spend budgets even though they have it now uh, so I definitely think people are still a little bearish for sure yeah it's funny because some of the companies that we're working with maybe we're biased because they're there's at least spending money generally but some of our clients are just like really being bullish and trying to like spend money now before we get into Q4 because we kind of like Q2 was kind of a wash. So we need to like get going. Right. Um, right. But yeah, then we have a bunch of others that are just like being super cautious. So I don't know how it'll turn out. One of the projects that I've been working on, which has been most of my time over the past couple of weeks is kind of a turnaround project where they've lost a lot of the marketing team. They are not hitting their demand gen goals. And like, we need to figure out like rapidly, like what's happening and, and, and increase what's going on. And so that's been crazy. It's been weird. I'm now on most of my time now. I'm like basically the demand gen person, which is weird because I haven't been like I've been more on the upside and so now like just kind of coming up with campaign messaging and like I've kind of forgot just like how much 
facilitating the demanding yeah. role is like you're doing a lot, really but then you're is. also like getting other people to do things and like pulling the metrics and then making the changes and then doing the creative and then like signing these contracts. Like I just kind of forgot like the like wheeling and dealing, <laughs> which I'm enjoying. <laughs> yeah. And then you've been working on a bunch of, um, kind of, I would say like marketing maturity projects where we're doing things like lead scoring and preference centers and that kind of stuff. So how's yeah, that going? Yeah. So lead scoring is been great. We've been, uh, we, Todd and I have been working with um, a few clients on just getting their models built off, uh, off the ground, tested and tweaking as we go. Uh, and one of the things that I love is launching, um, you know, a new scoring model and having the MQLs come in and it's always touch and go that first month because you want to see like, is this too, is our threshold too high? Is our threshold too low? Um, Are the people that are coming in right? So uh, it's been crazy because we've launched like two in the past uh, two months. And so there's ample questions about what's going on from sales and marketing for both clients um, and Mm. there's troubleshooting going on, but it's great because the tweaks we are making um, are making a difference uh, across the board. And I think the one takeaway I want most people to know about scoring is that it is like a 30 to 60 day uh, checks and balance process uh, to get it to what you want it to be. Um, And then I also have seen the appetite for moving to customer-based scoring too. So you'd have like one model for um, prospects and one for customers. Um, and then interestingly, I heard that people were doing like EMEA and APAC and um, DOC regional uh, lead scoring models as well outside of hmm. just um, North America based. So I thought that was pretty That's cool. That's interesting. What is the thought process there? Like just like differences in titles, so like demographic I, attributes or is it more? It was differences differences in titles so definitely demographic and also um well yeah so it's revenue wise too because they'll spend a lot i guess a lot less budget wise so they would score a u.s company with a larger um you know annual revenue differently than someone who might be in the doc region for instance that's interesting yeah, we've been making, it's not a new lead scoring model, but we have been making some updates to one of the projects that I am working on. And it's weird because since they haven't been doing well at all, like they just don't have enough leads basically. And I think maybe probably a lot of companies are seeing that just because of everything that's going on. Um, right. And so one of the decisions that they had made internally before we came on the scene, but I thought was like such a good awareness of like, what our situation is, is that they were already of the mindset that our lead scoring is too strict. Like we have capacity right now, like our SDRs are sitting around doing nothing um, or they're calling like these cold call lists, which are like completely worthless because no one's at their office phone. Um, So we need to lower the threshold for like what constitutes an MQL. And I think when I first came into the scene, like the marketing ops person was like a little bit resistant to that idea because they had just made some changes earlier in the year. Um, and like, it kind of almost felt like a failure to like change it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like on the total opposite opposite side of the, the argument being like, well, this is great. Like if we like have an awareness and just level of trust with the sales team to say like, okay, based on their capacity, it's not, it's not a reflection on marketing. It's just saying, 
based on where we are, we have more capacity to handle more, like let's lower the threshold and move right. over. Like, I feel like that's great. Like, I think that's beneficial to both parties. So they're making well, that Even the fact change, that yeah. they're evaluating it yeah. is, is a plus. Like that's the point of your model is to give you a baseline to work off of. And whether that's adjusting to give more or less quantity, it's fine. It's not a negative. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I think that's been awesome um, for them to just be uh, open to doing that and also to to be open to doing it like even temporarily because like even if say like we because I mean the point of this is to generate more leads. So as we start generating more leads, we can ramp that threshold back up um, so that we're sending, you know, higher quality stuff over to the to the SDRs and not drowning them with with, you know, lower quality stuff. But thinking of the lead scoring as like a permeable, um, shifting thing, I thought was really interesting. That yeah. was refreshing. The other big thing that I've been working on is the importance of subscription centers. Basically brainstorming with one client on the preference center setup and automation behind what they already have in place. And then with another, convincing them to set up a preference center because there are so many people communicating with their customers with their prospects that there needs to be there needs to be some checks and balances and there's literally no exclusions or um you know filters or segmentation going on it's just a free-for-all and uh you know that i just think it's so important to have something in place where people can manage their preferences and uh manage the subscriptions as a whole uh, it yeah. should be automated. Most of the uh, marketing automation platforms you work with offer um, very easy ways to manage that. So it's surprising that people aren't doing it and exciting for those that are that want to um, build more onto it. Yeah, totally. I mean, still one of the biggest impact things we did and like kind of coolest technically that we did last year was that preference center for MicroStrategy because they had a huge outbound email campaign or program that was kind of on always on in the background. And they were seeing, um, you know, just people leaving the database because they were getting too many communications or whatever. Um, and the point of the preference center was to yes, set up categories. And then we also did a really interesting and really cool tr like auto translation piece because they have, you know, prospects and customers from all over the world that are getting these emails. Um, but what they found, I think, oh, this is going to be a bit of an ass stat, um, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it reduced once we implemented the um, preference center, it reduced the number of people who came to the, like who would have ordinarily unsubscribed, but then instead just removed themselves from certain buckets. Like basically like they were tailoring the communications to, actually, to what they actually wanted to see. Um, I think it was like 70%. They were able to keep something. They were able to keep communicating to them in some way because they kept them in some buckets, but then, you know, removed them from others that they just weren't interested in. And like, that's huge. Like that think is of all huge. the people that are yeah. like, just deciding to hear from you, not at all. Um, as opposed to being able to hear, you know, from about the stuff that they actually care about, like that benefits both of you because you're going to have higher engagement, but right. Uh, yeah. Well, and like, just from my own standpoint and being a consumer, when I, know that I've signed up for someone's email communications. 
I like to go in and pick the cadence and pick, you know, exactly what topics I'm interested in. If you're building a buyer persona, you have to have those options available to your consumers to pick so that you can decipher who they are, what they like, and build that messaging for them. And if you're not doing that, you're just completely missing out on on the buyer and the journey in general, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really just so easy. Um, that's another one that can become like very political. Cause I remember, um, not MicroStrategy, but for another team, it took us like months, um, to get the list of categories that, and like what exactly they were called across all of the different, um, you know, stakeholders within the organization. This was a big company. And, I mean, in the end, it was like the standard things, like events, <laughs> in, you know, right. industry news, like, you know, like whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, what we called them were like, you know, a little bit more inside baseball or kind of matched their naming conventions, their naming conventions but it was all the same stuff. So I think to the extent that you can just kind of launch it on the sly um, or launch a, a beta version um, and then make some tweaks to the naming conventions later would be ideal um, so that you can start gathering that data. Yeah, but I think your point, of, it's so important. Like, would you rather someone just unsubscribe completely or give them options is huge. So, yeah. Uh, Definitely a point to make for anyone out there who's trying to advocate for a subscription uh, center. Yeah. And I would say to you, if you are in that situation, you're the ops person and you're trying to implement a subscription center and people just don't even think it's that important or it's just not, uh, they'd like actively disagree with you that it's a good idea. Um, I would just pull up your database numbers to see how many people aren't engaging in your content mm-hmm. and also are actively unsubscribing because I bet like the vast majority of your, of the folks in your database are not engaging with the types of content you're doing. Or if you want to get fancier, um, can you identify people that are engaging with some types of content, but really not others and who have either tried to go to the unsubscribe page and then not completed the unsubscribe or, um, or people that are just leaving your database because they are opting out. Like you you can bring those numbers together to your boss to just say, hey, I mean, instead of spending money on content syndication or list buys to to grow our database, maybe let's just keep the people that we already have um, by tailoring our content. Yeah, what a concept. Use metrics to prove a point. (laughs) Preaching to the choir, preaching to the choir. Okay, all right, so I think it's time for, to get into what we're digging this week. So what I'm digging is the shift that companies are taking away from their webinar providers, um, such as WebEx or GoToWebinar, their integrations with Marketo um, or HubSpot, and they are full-on implementing Zoom. Literally four clients right now are looking to do that. Uh, I wish I had bought Zoom stock like three months ago. (laughs) Yeah, that would have um, that would have been good <laughs> for sure. <laughs> they've they've made uh, some great security improvements in the past forty days. Uh, they're yeah. now Marketo Launch Point service, making it easier to integrate uh, than it was in the past. So I just think good things are are coming down the um, 
the pipeline with Zoom and I'm, I'm digging it. <laughs> yes, kudos to their product development team too, because they had that disastrous week when all of the schools were using Zoom and like had major security breaches. Right. And then like, I felt, it felt like the next week I would like you logged in and then there was that like big bold security button. Like these are the improvements that we've made. <laughs> yeah, and even in their documentation, uh, you know, for integrating with, with maps, they have, this is what Zoom recommends for security security and, and, and check with your map provider. So they are definitely covering their bases there for sure. Cool. Yeah. I love Zoom. We use them internally. It's the best. Um, and their Marketo integration is so easy, like compared to some of the other ones where you're like, you know, cobbling together webhooks. Like it's just very simple. And then what I'm digging is it's a Slack channel. It's um, the Mops Professional Slack channel. I think it's from my Sydney Mulligan. And it's just all of our people in one place. And I just love it because there's like a random question of the day that especially since we've all been remote, I mean, I'm remote generally, but especially now that we're just like removed from from a lot of like interpersonal reactions. Um, right, right. It's been, or personal interactions. It's been nice to just like connect with some folks. And then there's like some channels on venting and some advice. Um, I was just asking, I was just talking to a client about um, direct mail integrations. They had come up with uh, one tool that they wanted to use in particular. I think maybe the CEO had a recommendation from it. And I asked the Mops pros and they were like, absolutely not. Don't do this. Like, look at these two tools instead, because there are like these issues with the Marketo integration. Um, it's just not as flexible. Um, and, and then particularly for our use case, it just wasn't going to be viable. So that was amazing. I got that advice like within 15 minutes. Um, and it's just nice to be able to um, connect with ops people across different companies, especially when I was in-house as an ops person. It can be very frustrating because you're usually the most technical person on the marketing team. And sometimes there's a lot of like, they just don't get it kind of <laughs> feelings. Um, and so I definitely feel seen and heard and think it's an awesome community. I know they're trying to do some virtual events and some webinars. Um, so I just think they're doing such a great job. And it's definitely been a valuable resource in terms of just trying to learn more and troubleshoot specific issues that we're seeing. So highly recommend. Um, maybe we'll link it up in the show notes um, if people are interested and, and want to join. Yeah, I, I also truly love the Mops Slack channel. I haven't participated, but definitely read a lot. I uh, wish it was available uh, a couple of years ago when I was needing uh, someone other than you to bounce ideas off of. Um, I think it but, has yeah. been. I think it's existed for a long time, but I think it's just been like a smaller group of people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it. it's so good. It's so good. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. And thank you all for listening uh, to the Beyond Marketing Podcast. We hope these episodes are providing some level of escape for you, some sense of solidarity, and maybe a few ideas to help you do your job better. And have a good day and happy marketing.